looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Well, just for those of you that weren't able to be with us when we covered the first part of our four-part series... We talked about Christians who sometimes feel like, I just feel like I am no good. And I need to pause because some of you are mature Christians here and you're saying, oh, I'm beyond that right now. I know that in Christ that God has done some wonderful things. But if that's the case, then perhaps some of you are around people that you're discipling, you're mentoring, you're trying to raise up the next generation. And your kids might come home from school one day and they might just say, you know what, I'm just no good. I'll never be any good. Nothing ever goes right for me. Well, then you remind them that God says that when you trust Christ as Savior, there is now no condemnation in Christ. That's in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Now, those of you that are following with me, this is key. Because this entire chapter alone, besides all the great truths, one of the foundational truths is the eternal security of the believer. Knowing that you will never lose your salvation because he saves you by his grace, he keeps you by his grace, and there is now never, no, any more condemnation in Christ. And that's why, because of Christ... We have freedom. And that doesn't mean freedom so that we can go out and just sin all over the place. It's the freedom to know that we do not have to be in bondage to those things that make us at times feel like we're no good. Well, today we're going to go a little bit further because maybe you might be feeling that I'm never going to change. You're a believer in Christ now. And you're saying, you know, I want to change. I know I should change. There are things going on in my life. I know better, but I just can't seem to change. I'm just never going to be any different. Well, God says that there's no domination. And what that mainly means is this, that no matter what you feel that might be enslaving you to a habit or a way of thinking in your life that you think you'll never change, I want you to know that whatever that is, that the power of the Holy Spirit in the risen Christ is living within you now, and there's no need for whatever that is that's making you now feel that you could never change to have dominion over you because in Christ you will have victory and that's a promise I sure like that old hymn that talks about victory in Jesus well the key is is if you're in Jesus then you have victory in Jesus so with him comes victory and by placing your faith in him you're accepted in the beloved one and you can have victory and these are great truths Now, before I go a little bit further, I want to prepare you. Most of my style of preaching is often life application. You want to do this, 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 this. But for the next few weeks ahead of us, I want to lay a foundation of not just what you're supposed to do. I want to give you the foundation of why we can do what we're doing and how to do it, not necessarily all the what you need to do, like a shopping list of things. Because I believe if you have these truths, they'll help you. Now let's go back to one of those feelings that some people might have as a believer. I'll never change. Well, maybe that's how you're feeling right now. I'm never going to change. Well, here's the truth. The truth is, I am going to change. Again, that is a promise for those who know Christ as their Savior, that you are going to change. The good news is, you'll totally immediately change the moment you die and you're in heaven, or if the Lord would come back at the time that you're still alive, you'll be changed immediately right then. But when you trusted Christ as Savior, the joy is you're on a wonderful journey of change. Now listen, for those of you that are saying, I'm never going to change, but I want to change and I know I should change. That in of itself is telling you that the Holy Spirit is bringing about a change. The hardest people that will not receive this message will be those that say, I've already arrived. I'm not so bad right now. There's not a whole lot of things I need to change them. I'm doing pretty good right now. It's those people that are going to get plateaued out. They're the ones that sometimes have bought perhaps the lie of Satan, instead of becoming poor in spirit and realizing that we're bankrupt without him and that we need him, we need all of him to be able to change in our life. So yes, 
The guarantee is you will change. Now, I don't really guarantee this. God guarantees it in his word. He gives you the power in the Holy Spirit. So if I partner with the word and the spirit in our lives, then I can say then on the authority of his word that you can change. Now, we're going to cover three truths today. And some of you, as you look down memory lane from the time you trusted Christ to today, you might be able to say, you know, Pastor, I have seen change. I've seen change in my language. I've seen change in the way I deal with other people. I've seen change in the way I've dealt with my finances. I've seen change in the way I now love to get involved in helping other people. I've seen change. I believe it's because these three truths that you're going to hear about today are evident in your life. And some of you, as you look at others and say, I knew them way back then, but boy, have they changed. It's because these three truths were reigning in their heart. Not things you have to do, but basic truths where God sovereignly wrought something in your heart to make it real for you. And I'd like you to own these for you today. So here's truth number one. I have a new nature. When you trusted Christ as Savior, you have a new nature. That means you have something inside of you that was given to you solely by the Lord. And we could even call that a regenerated nature that you have. So you can have a change in your life because now you have something inside of you that's called a want-to button and a how-to button. And you push the want-to button and then the how-to button in Christ. You have those buttons called the new nature that the Lord has given to you. For example, if you look at all of this, you have a choice to make. We call it a sinful nature that you have, and you now have the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say a lot about the Spirit in today's message, so you're going to hear me talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Christ is our model. The Holy Spirit is our power source, and we do it for the glory of God. And even then, I don't like to divide up the Trinity, but I want you to see how all that works. Christ died, brought us into his forever family. He modeled it on the earth. The Holy Spirit now gives us the power, and we do it for the glory of God. With that being said, there are some people that might teach you that, hmm, Okay, I get a new nature. What about my, my old nature? Does that kind of go away from me? Does that kind of get eradicated? No, the old nature does not get eradicated. But the new nature now can trump that old nature that you have in your life. Some people like to think, and this is an older teaching during the Bible days, and it was a teaching that said, well, your body is evil, but your nature inside of you is going to be good, like your soul is really good. And they started to divide up the two. Actually, the division is more like this. My nature is all of me, body, soul, and spirit. But now I have a new spirit with the Holy Spirit inside of me, and now I do it for God. So now here's your choice, because you have a new nature. You now can think differently. You can now, with your mind, think that I'm choosing to serve the Lord. I am choosing to allow the Holy Spirit now to have control over my life. So number one, you can think differently. The second thing you can do is you can live differently. Let's go back to the passage here. It says, the mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. It doesn't say it will be death. It says that it is death. Now, some of you, you're hearing me rattle all this fact down. When you hear the word death, you probably think in terms of my body dies, I'm dead. Well, actually, the word death in the Greek is a word that means separation. So it could be a separation, soul and spirit, from your body. That would be your physical death. Then you have the spiritual death. And that would be where your soul and spirit upon death will be separated from forever from the Lord. If you don't know Christ as Savior, you'll be, as you are now, continually separated from the Lord. But there's also other kinds of separation. You can have a separation in a relationship. So it basically means separation. In James chapter 2, when it says faith without works is dead, it's a little different than just separation. That word is the word that means it's useless. In other words, it's empty. In other words, it means that you have a, 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 a futile spirit about you. And I believe that's what this is talking about right here. The mind of sinful man is futile. It's empty. It's useless. 
Some of you can right now go in your mind and you think of an unsaved person, maybe someone you work with. Maybe it's a neighbor across the street and you see them doing some things and you read about different people in the paper. It's because they have an unsaved mind and they're going to continue doing those things. And as they do, they're going to have an empty life. Maybe some of you, if you had the opportunity and you had a microphone given to you, you might go down memory lane and say, you know, there was a time that I had a choice with my mind, but I chose to do the things of the world. And when I did, there was an emptiness about me. And somehow God in his great providence and love for me, he brought a brokenness where I now tasted the world and it was a bitter fruit. And I came to a realization that I don't want to choose the world any longer. I want to choose Christ. I want to choose his word. And now you are reaping the results of making the right choice. So you think differently, but now you're living differently because you've made that right choice. And number three, you have a new nature, and that means you can relate to God differently. Look at verse 7 and 8. It says, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Underline this part. Nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. That's pretty powerful when you think about that. That when we choose to do things with a sinful mind, that when we do that, it's not going to be pleasing to the Lord. And that's very dangerous. And so God now says we have some choices that we can make. And those choices are things where we can choose again. What I think about, how I live, and how I want to have a better relationship with the Lord. Maybe an illustration might fit. Let's say that you and I were out in a field somewhere and all we had was a handful of pebbles and we were throwing those pebbles out into the field. And we would think that maybe throwing those pebbles out in the field, we might reap something. And we already know that if I took a handful of gravel and I chucked it out into even a very fertile ground, nothing will grow from it. And the Lord looks at that and he says, let me come alongside you now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some seed in your other hand. Well, now you have a choice. You have the choice of continuing what the world is doing because that's what they're doing. And I want to be like the world. I'm going to chuck pebbles out. There's no fruit and there's certainly nothing with eternal life with those pebbles. Or I could take those wonderful seeds of life. And now I can do what God wants me to do and chuck those out into the field and it'll grow. Basically, we're basically saying this. And that is that we have a choice that we can make in our mind. We can choose to follow the Lord or we can choose to follow the world. We can choose to plant to our old nature or we can choose to plant to our new nature. And when we make the right choice based on the mind that God has given to us as a believer, we will then reap the results of that kind of life. And God says that's a wonderful blessing. It's a wonderful reaping. So here, for just a moment, let me ask you, what have you been planning to lately? As you look back over your life, part of your choices is how you're going to use your time. Has it been, for the glory of God, the best use of your time? How about perhaps planning to your treasures? You know that Christmas time is coming very soon, and you're going to have some choices of what to do with either Christmas bonuses or money that you're given from family or friends or maybe even how you spend your money. How will you spend your money? What will you do with that which God has entrusted you with to be able to further kingdom work? That way you think differently, you live differently, and you relate to God differently as well. Some of you, perhaps at this Christmas, you might be asking yourself, I've got a lot of things I could give to my kids, a lot of electronic gear, some clothes, maybe some free passes. But you might want to ask yourself, do my children have a good Bible? A Bible that they'll have for a long time a study Bible for them, one with their name on it, one that they can bring to family devotions, one that they can have their quiet time in, one they could bring to church with them that'll hold up and be rugged as they carry it about, a Bible that they could really sense the importance of it, the value of it. And I know when I talk in terms of just that book Bible, it's nothing more than ink on a page. 
But at least you have the ink on a page that from there then it can go through your eye gate to your mind gate to your heart gate and then out your hands in life. So you might think about that. Here's a more pointed question. How about your Bible? Do you have a good study Bible? Do you have a Bible that you can use that has good notes in it, quality paper, good binding so it'll last, a Bible that would be rugged that you could take it with you when you travel or when you come to church or maybe even when you go to the beach, but wherever you go, but a Bible that you're going you're gonna to hold and in a sense you're going to treasure, not so much the book, the ink and the paper, but knowing that it's through that ink and the paper that you have that is God's word that now you can take and that you can study it. So perhaps what you could do is to think differently, live differently, and at the same time relate to the Lord differently by the choices that you make. You want to choose to plant to the spirit or the flesh? Do you want to choose death? Because some of the choices we make could hinder our health, and could hinder relationships, even with the Lord. Not eternal life. Or we want to choose to that which will grow great fruit and great results. Or do we want to plant those things that will never bear any worthwhile fruit for eternity. Now, I'm not here to put anyone on a guilt trip. All I'm doing is my brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're on my lanai, I just like to say, why don't we think together? We have a new nature. This new nature gives us now the capacity to change. To do that, we can think differently, we can live differently, and at the same time, we can relate to the Lord differently. So truth number one is you need a new nature to change. And to have that new nature, it comes by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. But that's not all. There's a second great truth. And the second great truth is just as powerful as the first one. When you trust Christ to save you, you have what is known as a new influencer in your life. And he's referred to as the Holy Spirit. Now, I chose the word influencer there. But there are other words from the original language that could also be used besides the word influencer. It could be the word, he can control you. It could be the one he empowers you. He manages you. One Bible teacher likes to refer to the Holy Spirit as the one who points you to the great CEO, which is the Lord. I don't know what works for you, and I don't want to bring God down to a level of some great leader somewhere. But at the same time, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is not just an it. He's not merely a power source. The Holy Spirit is God who's in you, and, and with him comes all that's necessary for you to be able to change because it's him, the change agent, working inside you and me. So, how do I have the Holy Spirit begin to change me? And by the way, for those of you that like a little bit more, verses 5 through verse 17, which is our primary passage, do you know that the Holy Spirit is mentioned not once, not five times, not ten times, but the Holy Spirit is actually referred to by name at least 12 times in this one passage. Because when we talk about change, it can only be done through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit within us. So what do we need to do in order to have the influencer begin our change? Number one, we need to realize that without Christ, I cannot have the Spirit. Without Christ, I cannot have the Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But look at the verse, verse 9. It says this. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature. Those of you who have trusted Christ as Savior and made the choice to follow the Lord. But the Spirit... But by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is in you. Now, underline the phrase, is in you. So that would now tell me it's speaking to Christians. But by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is in you. Because the Holy Spirit only comes inside those who knows Christ as Savior. It goes on to say, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. If you don't belong to Christ, then you don't have eternal life. You don't have a new nature. You're just living your life here. This is your heaven because you still have heaven to hell to go to. And so that's your life. Now let's stay with the passage. Can you see the Trinity in this while you're looking at the verse? Where do you see the Trinity in here? Not the word Trinity, but the Trinity. 
It starts out by saying, but by the Spirit. So now you have the Holy Spirit. Then it says, the Spirit of God. That's the second part of the Trinity, who is in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, so now you see Christ. So subliminally, in one passage alone, you're seeing the entire Trinity. So while I am now focusing on the Holy Spirit, I do want you to know it's the entire Godhead that now takes rule over us and how important that is. Well, back to our point. Without Christ, I cannot have the Spirit of God. Look up here, if you will, for just a moment. A couple of weeks ago, I was using the illustration with my Bible, and that represented Christ. And I said, this piece of paper would represent you and me. And that we know that apart from Christ, when we stand before the Lord, that he's going to say, go ye into everlasting fire. I never knew you. I don't care how clean you are, whether it's religious rituals that you do or social actions that you do. No matter how much you clean yourself up, you're still a filthy rag. When you stand before him, go ye into everlasting fire. We cannot get to heaven even by our own righteousness. So I said, then let my Bible represent Jesus Christ. Now, he's 100% perfect. Now, for me to go to heaven, God cannot look upon me. He has to look upon Christ. So even if I clean myself up, I still need perfect righteousness. Now, that perfect righteousness is found in Christ. And that perfect righteousness is given to me when I place my faith in Christ. Now, watch what happens. I place my faith in Christ. Now, I am in him when I die and I stand before him. He looks at his own righteousness, which is perfect, and he says, now come right on in. So now I'm in Christ. Well, what is so unique about all of this, and there's so many things that happen the moment you trust Christ as Savior, that when you now place your faith in Christ, not only are you now in Christ, which is the key that I, one writer said in the book of Ephesians, that two-letter word, in, is the most powerful word in the book of Ephesians. Well, let's go back to this. I'm in Christ when I place my faith in Christ. However, when I trust in Christ, now the Godhead comes inside of me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. God comes inside of me. The Holy Spirit is inside of me. So I don't have to ask him to come in. I don't have to plead for him to come in. The moment I trust Christ, he now comes inside of me. So without Christ, by my faith alone in Christ, I do not have the Holy Spirit. And that's why there are so many people out there that would love to change, and they're going up some kind of a change agent road of doing things in the flesh, and it's not sustainable. Now pause for a moment. Listen carefully. There are those of you that are listening right now and you're saying, yes, pastor, I know that I should change too as a Christian, but I haven't automatically changed. I trust Christ and I still find that some of those things are still with me and I'm not really changing. The problem isn't with the power of God. The problem isn't for you to question whether or not you have the Holy Spirit within you. If you did what God said authentically, genuinely, placed your faith in Christ, the Spirit is inside of you. So you do have the change agent. The issue now is whether or not I'm going to choose to allow the Spirit to begin to change me. In other words, do I want God's way or my way? Will I allow Him and His Word be the one who will be the CEO of my life, no matter the cost, I'm not going to worry about the results, and that's where faith comes in, and let Him take over. And so it's a pure choice that we want to make. And when we do that, supernaturally, He begins to change us. Some faster, some slower, some of the work is deep, some of it's quick, some of it's lifelong. Let me ask some of you Christians that are out there who have been saved a long time. How many of you can look back over your life from the time you were saved to today, you have seen a 100% sustainable change in your life in at least one area? Would you raise your hand? Put it up. Okay. Would you give the glory to yourself, a preacher, or would you give it all to the Lord? Who would you give it to? Give it to the Lord. Now, here's the tough question. How many of you, no matter how long you have been saved, you look back down memory lane and you can see areas that still have not changed in your life. But you know that God is working in you and you're beginning to see changes in your life, although it's not yet been sustainable. Would you slip up your hand?
Okay, now look, look, leave it up. Those of you who are on your new journey with God, I want you to look at these people. This is not a testimony that God left them. It's not a testimony that they really didn't have authentic, genuine faith. It's a testimony that God is in the process of changing us. We are becoming more and more like Christ. I'm going to talk about that next week when we talk about the hope we have in Christ. But again, watch this. You'll never even begin that state of changing, changeability, until you have a new nature and until you have the influencer in your life. And to have the influencer in your life, you have to have Christ in your life. And that is key. Well, let's look at something else here. Realize that without Christ, I can't please God. Without the Holy Spirit, I cannot please God. Now, I know that in Hebrews it says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, this is the chain. Without faith, I can't please God. That's why God says it's not by your works. All your good works, you're not going to please me. Watch this. If you take your faith and do good works to get into heaven, that's not going to please me. It's only your faith. Now, when you place your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, and now, now that puts you in a position where you now can begin to please the Lord. I read this and I thought it was quite uh, helpful to me. I don't know, maybe it'll be for you to understand now that I have the Holy Spirit within me. And I can please God now because I have the influencer. Christianity says God, through Christ, does it for me. Piety says I do it for God. Sociology says I do it for others. Psychology says I do it for me. Let me repeat that. Christianity says... God, through Christ, does it for me. Piety says, I do it for him. Sociology says, I do it for others. Psychology says, I'm trying to change for me. And the bottom line is, our doxology is all about, look what God has done for me. And now, in response to that, I give praise to him. Now, catch this. My praise to him might be, at times, special songs, a moment of prayer, a time of raising my hands for some that feel comfortable doing that. But more authentically it is, it's a 24-hour lifestyle. So while it might be some religious expressions of songs, it also could be how I drive my car, how I treat my family, how I use my finances, what I do with my time, because everything I choose to do is because of what first Christianity is. He's done for me, and that's doxology. Listen carefully. When you go through Romans 8, and you ought to do this, you're going to find three levels of the Spirit's operation. Now, they're not first verse, second verse, third verse, but they're in here. These are the three levels. First is... You have no spirit. The second level is you have the spirit. The third level is the spirit has all of you. Did you catch that? No spirit. You got the spirit. And now he has all of you. When I was in Bible college, there was a young man I was mentoring. We were going over the deeper life and how to really, really know the Lord intimately. And he came back to me and he says, could I give you a definition of spiritual, the word spiritual? And I thought, that's neat. You're working with a guy. Maybe you could learn something. And you know, I did learn something from him. He said, spiritual. You know what spiritual is? Spiritual means that's when the spirit has you all, all right, or all of you. And I thought, that is so true. I will become more and more spiritual as I allow the Holy Spirit to take more control of my life. I'll do that by my obedience to the word. Watch this. And time. So as I walk with the Lord, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I'll be spiritual. And the longer that I'm spiritual, the more I'm going to be mature in the Lord. But it still has as its vortex the Holy Spirit. And that's how I can please God and how critical that that really is. But there's also a third way. And that is because of the fact that the Holy Spirit gives life to my spirit. Gives life to my spirit. Look in verse 10, it says, If Christ is in you, and by the way, if you've trusted Christ, he is, your body is dead, in a sense, because of sin. But your spirit is alive because of righteousness. 
Now, I love that phrase because that's telling me that before I had trusted Christ as Savior, my, my body is dead already because it's going to die anyway physically. But my spirit is dead because I have not been regenerated. That's a word you don't hear in Christian circles much any longer. When you're born again, you're given a new life. The Holy Spirit regenerates you. So you have a dead spirit inside of you until you trust Christ as Savior. I really like that. Now, listen carefully. This is why here we are so we emphasize so much that in order to go to heaven, you don't have to turn from sin to go to heaven. First of all, in Ephesians chapter 2 says, I am dead in my sin. My spirit is dead in my sin. So if I am dead in my sin, I am so dead, I can't in my flesh do anything to please God. No matter how much I want to please Him, and I might think I'm pleasing Him, and religious, religion, not Christianity, will tell you, do this and you'll please God. God says, you're not pleasing me. Because it's not about your lifestyle. It's about faith. And faith in itself doesn't please me because it has to have the right object and it's got to be Christ. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. 